Screw up some people too. Yes. Online. Um, we do have somebody missing. Who's missing? Small green thing. Oh yeah, we gotta. We'll talk about that because you're in, actually in. You're, you're in a lot of fucking trouble about that. I asked you to do one thing. You had one. He had one job. In my defense, I did have a rather busy day that day. Richard. Dave had one job, and that was to bring Christmas cabbage. He did. Do you want to... <laughs> Do you... Uh... Well, I am all Christmas cabbages. That's true, yeah. <laughs> whoa. Uh, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're lucky you didn't say that yeah, on the microphone. <laughs> you would have gotten, gotten, gotten a lot of hate. Like you would have gotten a lot of hate for that one. So, anyway, we're going to get this thing started. And like I already mentioned, if anybody has any, any listener questions, uh, I'm going to plan to take questions off of YouTube uh, as they come in. Do you like England? I love England. This is a beautiful place. I only wish I could stay longer. I don't. I'm going to go to Dave's house, and I'm going to see if I can get my tickets changed, and I'm going to stay for a month. <laughs> He's got plenty of room. His wife is really nice. She, I hear she's a great cook. It'll be good. Dave and I are going to be roommates. This is my good friend, Dave. Guys, welcome to Drugs and Stuff. I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Dave. Hi, Dave. Moving on. <laughs> this is really cool. This is fun. You know, I did genuinely try to get someone in Manchester Airport Security to frisk you on the way in. I'm really grateful that that did not work I out. I couldn't find I get, I get really paranoid at the airport. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you go to, like, you're not bringing anything with you you're not supposed to, yet I'm afraid that somebody's going to say something, I'm going to get pulled aside. It, it's like when you're driving and a cop car pulls up behind you, you automatically shit yourself and yes. think, oh, what have I done wrong? And even if it was a joke, and one, somebody pulled me aside and they're like, sir, come with us, like, I could legitimately have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> and you find that funny. I do, yes. All right. All right, we got a few people watching. Cool. They won't stay long. It's all right. Don't get excited. <laughs> anyway, I think it is... Are we actually going to start this shit? Are we just going to sit here and I thought we already watch? did. Have we already started? It is 4, 4.45 in the morning in the U.S. So everybody will be up then. So shout out, special shout out to our U.S. followers Matt that are Levy. watching right now. And uh, I can't look at the comments, actually. You know what? Maybe before we get rolling, Dave, I should pull the comments up on my <laughs> phone. I'm going to try and stay awake. We got you coffee. Fucking Actually, Andy, needs, got needs you. Andy, brought you, Andy asked you for if you I wanted coffee. I need a bit of something else that comes from Colombia. <laughs> I'm fucking knackered. All right, my videos. Let's see here. And we go to live. The lack of professionalism that you exclude is beyond. You don't understand, Dave. This is... It's it's a lot of, I don't lot of technical stuff. Shit. A lot of technical stuff going on. Press here. button, it works. If it doesn't throw across. Room, a lot of technical stuff. Go, I have done. to go to Facebook and click on my profile. Like it's a lot, man. All right, here we go. I think it's so, loading up. This is Fit Expo. Yes, it is. And how do you have you found Fit Expo? Hold on, I'll tell you in just a minute. I'm gonna. There we go. I got our questions. <laughs> I got our questions here. Shit, what? I have YouTube. There we go. It's not loading, Dave. 
You see all those signal, people. Signal shit. Do you see all those people commenting right now, though? We have people commenting on the podcast right now. Yeah, but it's on Facebook or YouTube. It's on YouTube. But I can't get my phone to load. No, because the signal's crap. Yeah. So we'll give it. We'll give it this one more try. Hmm. So you're gonna have to go and sit in front of the laptop and work out what it's saying. I got to be on the camera. I'm the important person out of the two of us. The important person out of the two of us is the green one, and he's not even here. Yeah, and whose fault is that? Yours. All right. You didn't remind me. I didn't remind you. I thought, like I said, you had one job. Right. So Thursday, I had to get up at four. Set off at 4.30 to drive to Bury St. Edmunds, which is like 200 and odd mile from me. Yes. I did seven hours of lecturing. Didn't eat all day. Drove back. Jumped in the van. What did you lecture about? Um, relative theory and distortion of time conduits. Come on. No, for real. What did you lecture about? What do you think I lectured about? Steroids. Did you? Yeah, to the um, lot of NHS workers down in Bury St. Edmunds. So, I, from what I understand, the NHS uh, National Health Service they don't they don't really take kindly to steroid users. There is, yeah, I mean there are there are exceptions to the rule. Uh, one that brings to mind is a guy called Dr. Jack Dalfoy, who is really really good. But uh, on the large part, the NHS does display quite a prejudice towards anabolic users. Yes. Okay. So this was um, a, a big set. There was quite a good turnout. There was about 30, 40 of them, all from different areas. There were some from prison service, because NHS provide medical care in prison. Yeah. Uh, especially support police service. Uh, even some um, of the guys that control the budgets actually turned up. Yeah. Uh, and we just discussed steroid use, arms associated, risk factors, social drivers, Effective uh, support management, stuff like that. Is there steroid use in the prisons here? Oh, yes. Yeah? What does it cost for a D-ball, one D-ball? I think they are running at about a pound a tab. Okay. Uh, I think oxys can go as high as five. And how many D-ball did you bring with you to sell that day? I got rid of a couple of... I wasn't in the prison that day. <laughs> a couple of hundred, though. Yeah, good, good. Um... But no, um, yeah, it was actually quite a good day um, from, from a, that point of view. Yeah. From engagement point of view. But yeah, no, prison, prison use, especially open estate, is very, very high. Uh, I think Castle Huntley, have, um, which is the open prison system in Scotland, I think they've got something like a 65% confirmed user rate within the prison. You're kidding me. No. 65% of people in prison are, in using, that particular prison. are using steroids. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. But they have a—they're quite unique with it because they have a very open sort of let's discuss, let's educate. Yeah. Which is quite unusual, to be fair, because yeah. most it's just punishment, 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 punishment. Yes. But there was there was some NHS staff from one of the prisons there, and they were saying they have a couple of people in currently who are users who were using when they were arrested. Obviously, have no option for PCT. Yeah. Um, and because of prescription law in the UK, they cannot be prescribe those medications, even though it would be beneficial to them. And how could they treat these people so they weren't going to go through a huge one-one or crash 
and obviously end up non-recovered and being extremely low hormones in what is by nature a depressive environment and there was a long discussion around that and the real only solution I was like if you go to prison as a heroin addict you'll get put on a methadone program right or you get subitex so you get a program that supports your habit so you don't go through withdrawal to manage your health and then they work on lowering your dose and coming you off there's nothing like that for anabolic steroid users. So the argument was, well, how, how can we support them? And I said, well, the only thing you can currently do would be to provide TRT. Because that's the only thing that current legislation will allow. Well, that's cool. It's cool that, they, it's cool that they're at least open-minded to they're look talk, at that. Well, they talk. I wouldn't say they're open-minded. They're talking. But that's only one side of the problem. All right. The rest of the other side is the management side, which is where it gets difficult. Well, listen, I knew I was coming out here to hang out with Dave. This is the first time I've ever made. Oh, look! At, we've got we've got a, a couple of a couple of friends over here. We've got Alex and Emily. They're from AW Fitness near Manchester. And also, too, I wanted to shout out. This is the first time I've seen Alex at an expo in the morning where he's not pissed. <laughs> does he smell good? Does he know? His eyes are looking a little glassy from here. And also, too, we wanted to uh, we wanted to shout out uh, Arnold's gym who is in part making this happen. Uh, they're, they're the people who brought out all this nice Panetta equipment. I had the opportunity. Yes. I had the opportunity to use a, hey, Alex. He's not, he's not listening. He's pissed. Yeah. Hey, Alex, what, what kind of machine? That, that, what, you called that like an, a, a Smith machine? Dual Smith machine. So it was a combo of an incline press and an overhead press, depending on where you adjusted the seat. And then each handle was individual, uh, but it was on like a little Smith lever and they converged and it was like, it gave you such a good upper peck contraction. They've got that machine Why out there. Why you use a dumbbells? I, dumbbells are great. And that's what I use at home, but I kind of want that machine. Although it was huge. Like, I don't think it would fit in my basement. You can always try. But that said, though, like I said, I, I, we did want to shout out uh, Arnold's Gym uh, here in Liverpool as they, they brought this couch out for you. They knew you wanted a nice setup. They were like, we know that Dave is kind of posh, and he's not going to do a podcast here unless he has good shit. And you turned up in that fucking shirt. I wore this shirt for you. I actually looked for one in your size, although they did not make one. Can I set it on fire? Actually, I brought a surprise for Dave. Go on, then. So, what you got me? Uh, tomorrow is the, uh, the day that we celebrate uh, the birth of our independence in the United States. So you mean you're going to celebrate the day you kicked the English's ass? No, we didn't kick the English out. We ran away from you guys. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't have anything to do with it. I wasn't there. It was like my grandpa's grandpa's grandpa. Uh, but anyway, I'm glad to be back. At that said, I wanted to celebrate. And so I brought you a Amer very American gift. These are Twinkies. <laughs> red, white, and blue Twinkies uh, that I thought we could all enjoy here uh, while we did the podcast. Like, Would anyone like, like a Twinkie? I figured it was very like a... Uh, Cancer in a bun? Anybody? You know, like Anybody? a tea and cakes kind of thing. I, I don't know. I, I just thought, you know, good English vibe, you know? Wait, no, bring those over here. Bring those over here. I, gotta, I've been, I have kept this box as in best shape as I can in my suitcase, although it's kind of dented now. We got the, the Twinkies for the camera here. And Dave, have you ever eaten a Twinkie? 
I cannot cope with any more sugar. Because he's of that lady shit. there. He's been here, young lady. So, this is Katrina. Now, Katrina watched the podcast and she heard that I have a little bit of a sweet tooth for cheesecake. Didn't you? So, please explain what you delivered to me yesterday. Biscoff s'mores cake. Oh, uh, the cookie pies. <laughs> Rocky Road. <laughs> so there was the big cakey thing, which had Nutella, cookie piece of Biscoff, and all sorts of marshmallow in it. Yeah. And then there was the big cheesecake thing that's like 10 inches deep. Right, no, the, the thing that looked like a giant pork pie but was sweet. Cookie pie. The cookie pie. And then there was the Rocky Road with marshmallow bits in. And then there's something else in there that I haven't opened yet. What's the other cake? Jesus Christ, there's another one. No, I didn't. I didn't give it away. We were sharing. No. Right, so this cookie pie thing's about this thing. I had a piece of that. It was right, amazing. And it's, it's quite hard, not in a bad way, but you know, it's quite a crusty. The only thing I've got are syringes. <laughs> so I had to carry it around the expo to the burger van to pinch their knife to cut the bloody thing up. Trina, I was wandering around with this thing on the back. Trina, have you ever have you ever eaten a Twinkie before? Would you would you try one with us today? They're disgusting. Dave, have you eaten a Twinkie before? Yes, thank you. No, these thank are you. Dave, I brought these for you. you got to take one bite. They're fucking awful. They're good. And they're good for you, too. They're shit. They're American. They're, they're delicious. I would rather lick... I, I brought this for you, Dave. I brought Twinkies for you. I want to share these, too. I want to share a little uh, America Yum. with everybody here in the audience. Yeah, that was You guys are welcome to really take, enjoyed that. take a Twinkie. And pass them on. Just take the whole box and then it's pass it on. It? It's fucking awful. <laughs> and this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity to have like. It's like I, I don't have any tea, but I have coffee, and we have coffee and tea. This is like tea and cakes. It just tastes like e numbers. It's just like there's no actual food stuff in there. It's just chemicals. Dave, you realize that I went out of my way to buy these. And you do realize it's the only thing that survives the nuclear holocaust and cockroaches, don't you? Oh, yeah, this will. That's the thing Twinkies about Twinkies. And cockroaches. This will remain like soft and moist. Moist is a good word. Moist, uh, like beyond, like when we're gone, when all of us are gone, these Twinkies will still. I'm be just waiting to see the faces of 100%. people as they buy into this thing. Hmm. She's been nearly sick. <laughs> what do you guys think? Let me get... Um, I don't have you guys on camera, but we do have mics. What, what are your thoughts on the Twinkie? Truthful now. Nice. Don't lie. you got to help with Say that lie. again. Tasty. Nice. See, British people are so polite. <laughs> All right. We'll come back to you, Emily. Who else has had a Twinkie here? Oh, these guys have had Twinkies. Have you tried it? Let's see. What do you think of the Twinkie, sir? Uh, very strange. Texture. And Texture and flavor, very strange. It's kind of like sponge, isn't it? What do you think? Yeah, the sponge you use very to wash sweet. it Very sweet. I like it, though. It's very sweet. You like it? All right. We got a winner here. We got a winner here. Andy? <laughs> All right, but I'm not sure I'm allowed that on the diet. What's that? All right, but I'm not sure I'm allowed that on the diet. No, actually, no. Now you got to go do some extra cardio. It's not for me. <laughs> not for you. 
So the general consensus is one person likes it, everyone else thinks it's shit. Wait, Emily hasn't spoke yet. Yeah, she didn't need to have I face don't really know how to describe it. It's not a donut, it's not a cake. Yes. What is it? It's, it's not a, food. It's America. That's what it is. I know it has. <laughs> Bring a little America. Now these are these are absolutely hideous. But now that I now that I opened it, I have to feel like you I have, have to done. eat it. And the rest in the box as well. Dirty <laughs> <laughs> mm. animal. Thank you very much, my dear. Thank you, and thank you for that awesome cake too. That thing was so good. All right. So we are getting a bunch of comments uh, online. Oh, so I got to move. Um, we are getting a bunch of comments online, and if you guys have any questions online, anything you want us to go into, then please uh, feel free to comment. And you guys, everybody here in the audience, you, you can come here, sir. Think of some questions. Oh, oh. So, ladies and gentlemen, this gentleman that's joining us on the couch now is Mr. Nathan Styles. Yes. Yes. So Nathan is a rather large individual. Two big guys, one couch. Right. So, um, Nathan, did you have a Twinkie? I'm on prep, so. I oh. That was a good egg. You saved yourself good for you. there, mate. These are good for you. They're. Uh, so you're prepping. What show are you prepping for, Nathan? Um, eight weeks out from the Two Rose Regional JT Classic. And then following on from that, a week after is the Arnold, sorry, the um, Austria Pro Qualifier, um, which that is the main one. Then a week after is Italy, and two weeks after is the Arnold UK Amateur. So nice. Now it's not all about numbers, but come on, run the numbers. As in, how heavy, how tall, all that sort of crap. Uh, six three. This morning I was. 300.6 pounds. Holy shit. Uh, started prep at 335. Peak off season was 341. Uh, ran a little bit of a recovery phase. So I'm um, about 35 pound, 35 pound down. I think I was 275 on stage last year. And um, I'm probably similar sort of condition to what I was about four weeks out last year. And I'm eight weeks out now. So think I potentially could be a, a, a good 10 pounds heavier on stage this year. So 285 possibly plus, I mean I know it's not about weight, you know, no one weighs you when you're stood on the stage, it's, it's about how you look, but it gives you an indication of the size that Nath is. He is not a small boy. In fact, probably one of the biggest UK amateurs ever. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I'm six or three, so I've got a lot to fill out. But I think, in terms of probably weight, there's Josh Maley, who's uh, actually my uh, my former coach, still a very good friend. I think Josh is probably a little bit heavier than me at the minute. I think I'm a little bit leaner than him. Don't tell him that. Um, but yeah, Josh is Josh is six foot six, so he's a few inches taller than me. But Josh is a little bit heavier than me. And then Jamie Joel. Yeah, Jimmy the Giant. Yeah, all of a sudden there's like a ton of tall British guys in bodybuilding. I don't know how that happened. It's a lot to fill out. Yeah, yeah. You know, how, how, how much did you weigh back when you started bodybuilding? Like, were you always a muscular guy? Uh, yeah. I mean, I can remember still, I, I, I mean, I come from like quite an athletic background. I used to do athletics when I was younger, played football till 
so like 21, 22. And I was, I think I, I boxed for four years as well. And I boxed at like 16 stone, four, 16 and a half stone. What's, what's that in pounds, Dave? Um, I think that's like two, let me work it out. 240 ish? Yeah, 240 ish. 240. Yeah, so I, bo- I like boxed at like 240. Okay. And I played football at like 220, 230. Um, so I've, I've always been quite a, a sucker a, to you. A big lad, yeah. I knew what he meant. I've been, here, I've been here for like four days, Dave. I figured it out. All right? Don't, don't look at me like that. Look at that. Do you see the way he's looking at me right now? It's not, I don't feel comfortable. That's a look of love. That's a look of love. So, um, what got you into bodybuilding, Nathan? Um, well, weirdly, my, my, well, not weirdly, but my dad was a uh, natural amateur bodybuilder. Um, so I can remember him taking me down to the gym and he used to sit me in the reception while he went to train and I used to sit and eat a flapjack and have a, a can of Coke and, and just, just sort of being in that environment. I think I just kind of just... It was just natural for me to be in a gym environment. Um, I can remember going to watch my dad compete when I was like five, six, seven years old. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I think that was basically it. And and as cliche as it sounds, and everybody says this, but my dad was like a big Sylvester Stallone fan, uh, a John Claude Van Damme fan. So you know, like growing up watching like Bloodsport and Rambo and. Rocky films, and you're looking at those sort of physiques, and that's kind of what you you want to kind of emulate. And, and I suppose that's what really got me into wanting to build a physique. Would you say there's any bodybuilders that have particularly influenced you, or any that you sort of aspire to? Um, who's influenced me? Josh, Josh Maley influenced me massively in terms of I learned a lot how to act like a professional huh. yeah. um, and just be a lot more consistent in what I was doing. The guys who really influenced me now um, and who I, I, I really sort of respect a lot, I, I love James Hollingshead. I think he's, he's just one, he's just a good guy. And I like his, I just like his, his work ethic and, and everything about him, really. I think he's a gentleman. Um, yeah, but, he's cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great British bodybuilders and there's a lot of great bodybuilders. So I just just love the, the sport in general, really. And where is Nath in 10 years' time? Hopefully retired from bodybuilding. <laughs> <laughs> There is, to be fair, there's a there's a lot of guys seem to be really reconsidering their options in recent months. With obviously, there's been a few high-profile casualties of the sport, shall we say? Yeah. Um, does that worry you? Do do you have that in the back of your mind that you know what? I've only got so long in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm 34 now. I didn't do my first competition until I was 27. Um, and I would say I've been quite. Um, I've, I've I've not sort of pushed the boat out in terms of the PD usage. Um, so I, I still feel like I've got my best sort of four or five years in front of me. I'm still fresh. 
thankfully to Dave, knowing Dave since he started the company, I've had bloods done year after year regularly and kept on top of my health um, and touch wood. I'm, I'm in a good spot at the minute and I think having someone like yourself and, and Shoshana on board who, who I can really sort of like stay on top of my, my blood work and my health is, is, is keeping me in the best shape possible in a sport that is can be detrimental to the health so yeah um, I'm just being sensible and I'm trying to do it in the safest way possible the healthiest way possible and still trying to maximize my my potential and my progress but like I say, I, I want to be out by the time I'm 40 and I've achieved what I've I set out to achieve and, 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 and get out unscathed. And then it's concentrating on business, family, and, and just looking at looking to potentially help other young up-and-coming bodybuilders do the same as what I've done, really. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not going to put you on the spot at all, but I don't think people would be quite surprised if we actually did get into the numbers. Because I know the low, and I think a lot of people are like how the hell. But it, that's work, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's work ethic, that's effort in the gym that makes those achievements capable with much lower numbers. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, and luckily, like I say, I mean, I, my my first cycle. Uh, if we, uh, well, like, we'll have to talk, talk, yeah, yeah. talk, talk this. So. The show's called Drugs and Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drugs and Stuff. So my first cycle was at 23. Um, after training from 17, naturally. Um, and I had a very, very bad experience. Listened to the wrong person. And I ended up with an abscess mm. in, my, in my glue on my first, first cycle. From injecting Winstrom. Ah. Um, so that completely put me off. Yeah. And I didn't touch it then for another five years. So from 23 to 28, um, I, I didn't touch it. I went back boxing. I was still training um, and decided that I was going to do a bodybuilding competition. So that's when I did my second cycle at 28. And it was 300 milligrams of, uh, of testosterone, 300 milligrams of Mastron. Um, and it's just, luckily I've had a coach from, from then and, and my coaches have always directed me in the right way. Um, so I've, I've just steadily progressed if from there, really. The um, like I said, I still, point, I I still do things now exactly. uh, with, with health if, if being you the, walk away, the priority. You're over so. there, just keep your eye in this direction. I'll, I'll come over here and wave to you. So if you were to give one sort of piece of advice to someone who's coming up in the sport or looking at you and going you know I want to be like Nath I want to have them incredibly freaky fucking legs <laughs> what would it be? It would definitely be invest in um, invest in a coach or invest in some some education into if you're wanting to go down the uh, the assisted route, invest in some ed education of somebody who's got experience and is practicing the safer use protocol. Um, because that I think, like I say, with the high high sort of profile deaths in the sport recently, I think it's been a case of people have had either a long sort of 
spell of bad advice um, or just listening to the wrong people really before you go because we've got uh, Dr Dean Samart about to join us are you willing to flex those huge meaty pies of yours for everybody <laughs> that's uh, watching online just sweat your quads <laughs> you've got shorts on you don't have to strip off come on hell yeah and this is off season there we go. that's eight weeks nice. out nice that's eight weeks out I have actually got a few questions yeah, you can fire away if you've got questions for us. Nice. Yeah, so... I, d I put a little poll on uh, Instagram only like 10 minutes ago just to see if anybody got any questions, and I've got a couple. So, let's have a quick look. First one, best tips for someone new to the assisted gang? Start low. Start slow. <laughs> I, I think the golden rules are whether it's oral or injectable, stick with one. Learn how you react to one, build your knowledge base before you start mixing things up. Because if you don't know how you're going to react to one compound, you put two in there and it gets even more confusing. So definitely start with a single compound. The old adage, test is best, really does stand true for the first cycle, I believe. Yeah. Um, and just don't rush these things. Yeah. You know, you get guys that do the first cycle of 500 and then you talk to them for the second cycle and it's 1.4 gram. It's like, you know, that's a fucking jump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a question actually still though. Um, training wise, I would be interested to hear your philosophy on growing muscle. You know, because I think the, the big thing is we can tell people take, take less gear, be safer, but then how do we grow? The growth comes from obviously having your nutrition up, number one, but then number two, being able to create the muscle, to give, give the trigger to create the growth. So if you were to give any advice to everybody watching here, hanging out with us today, or anybody who's online, um, what would you say at least, I mean, you can't speak for everybody, but what has worked for you training style-wise to get these legs? So first and foremost, I think, is, is learning how to train hard and, and train intense, whatever style you're going for. I've I've trained in many different ways. I've tried sort of every different training style you can you, you can think of. Higher volume, um, sort of top set back off, progressive overload, um, and they all work if you apply yourself with the correct amount of intensity and accuracy. Um, the thing what I think a lot of new starters are, are worried about now and, and, and trying too much is, is trying to think too technically uh, and, and what movements they can do with a cuff and they can do with a band and yeah. instead of just getting in the gym and just learning how to train hard and train to failure. Um, so it's just, it's just been, a, been, been learning, just learning how to be able to sort of train to failure in, in whichever whichever way you're going to do it um, and just training hard hell yeah hell yeah um, you got maybe one more question um, if running a test and master on cycle if I wanted to use Turinabol what is the best point to use in the cycle duration and dose Dave loves T-ball I do I like T-ball because it's a really good compound um, 
10,000. East German athletes can't be wrong as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I like putting all those in at the back end. A couple of reasons for that. One is I don't really... There's no way of avoiding that orals are stressful. Yeah. You know, it's not the ideal whale to deliver an anabolic compound to the system, but they do have some little unique properties like their engagement with genomic and non-genomic uh, receptors. So I prefer to have them in the back end so that when you finish with them, you're off. You're clear. So you're not carrying that stress that you generate in the early part of the cycle through the rest of the cycle. Um, the other thing is as well, if they do impact your appetite, if that's early on in the cycle, that can have a very knock-on effect. If it's back end of the cycle, it's not as damaging because you've already had progress. With T-bone, uh, obviously dose is dependent, but I'd be looking somewhere around the between 30 and 60 milligrams, depending on where they are in what they're doing. Um, I think it's, it's nice, and I'd throw it in as a single dose. Usually, probably use it as a pre-workout. There you go. Nice. It's a pleasure, brother. Absolute pleasure, mate. And good luck at the show. We've got somebody else as well now. Yes, we do. Dr. Dean. My friend. Oh, Not your friend, Dave. Supplement needs and supplement needs education. Is that right now? Is that yes. how you call it? I got I to gotta tell you, too. I got to tell you, Dave, that... So I met He's Dean. Brown. I met Dean at the Olympia. It. He's not even listening to me. I met Dean at the Olympia uh, a couple years back, and you are a lot thicker now. How much? How much heavier are you? Because I know you've been you've been pushing harder in the last couple years. How much weight have you gained since I saw you last? That's a paradox because I'm actually lighter than you met me. No kidding. Nineteen, yeah, I'm probably two kilos lighter. So it's ninety point five this morning. I think it was about ninety two when you met me in Vegas. You're, you're dieting right now for a show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do uh, the PCA Ireland show is the goal. So that's, I think, 14 weeks. And then there's like a warm-up show in nine or ten weeks. So we're getting back on stage after five years. The things we do to punish ourselves. <laughs> How are you finding prep? Good. Definitely, um, this time round, you completely different perspective because last time I competed it was just me and my my wife with no kids and when we had our two kids your your mentality changes that bodybuilding is it really becomes a hobby and I think that mentality of when you're you're in your 20s you can be selfish you can you know it's bodybuilding or nothing over the last couple of years even in the off season if we were going out for the day didn't worry about packing meals you know if, if we were out get food don't worry, uh, you know, miss, I've missed that meal or whatever, where when you're younger, you're thinking it's all or nothing mentality. And when prep started, it literally just became that same transition of, you know, family comes first, the boys come first. How can I, how can I make prep work around the family dynamic as opposed to saying to my wife, right, I'm competing 16 weeks, you can't do anything, we're not going here, boys can't eat junk or whatever. It's a... Uh, I think as you get older, your mentality towards bodybuilding changes. Well, and if it doesn't, then you quit. You know, you regret, you regret bodybuilding, you resent it, and then you stop. So I think what you're talking about is learning how to make it work long term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you sort of come to a point where you realize that, you know, bodybuilding is a huge part of all our lives, but 
there's a life beyond bodybuilding like you said you don't want to get to your mid 40s and look and go oh, I missed out on, like the first six years of my children because I was being selfish so like Dave said and joked we were on holiday for two weeks and, and it basically was just a family holiday excuse me one second Dave's leaving this is, I am. This is his level somebody. of professionalism he's taking the mic with him I'm going to take his seat then. I'll come on over here. So, yeah. Oh, this is nice. I mean, like, we went on holiday, didn't let anything stuff. You know, people mentally say, I'm on prep. I'm not going on holiday. I can't I can't eat out. We can't have fun. You know, it's all a strictness. Whereas with, with a holiday, I get up in the morning, done 30 minutes cardio while the boys were eating breakfast with my wife in the apartment. Came back, went on a nice walk. And I went and trained between, like, half 12 and 2 in the afternoon when the midday sun was out so you couldn't have the boys out so we made every day work around you know compromise and not interfere with our daily activities and then he still had you know the morning time with the boys the afternoon sorry about that I was grabbing somebody for later on alright alright I, I actually I had a question for you Dean yeah. um, what do you think well, I want to give I want to give some some take home stuff I feel like uh, one of the things we can do with a podcast is it's nice to be able to educate, but I think it's nice to be able to give the people who actually took their time to like come out here and hang out with us today, give them something that they can take home and apply today, uh, be it in nutrition or training, supplementation. Can you think of one thing that you see people are maybe getting wrong just in general, because you talk to a lot of people at Supplement Needs, you're talking to people every day, uh, and, and they're coming to you with their problems, the things that aren't working for them. What would you suggest, something that people could take home here? I think, uh, I recently done a post about it on Instagram, one thing that a lot of bodybuilders don't really understand is how histamine works in the body. We had that discussion yesterday with with Paul Scarborough about how histamine drives stomach acid production, how we all know that histamine causes rashes when it's outside our cells. But when we have high levels of histamine in the body, when we're using anabolics, the cells of our bodies, the mast cells, they have androgen receptors and they get stimulated. And when they get stimulated, they release more histamine and all of a sudden you're making more stomach acid, you've got acid reflux, and this is where we tend to see stuff like harsher androgens cause bad heartburn, indigestion. We get that, we hear that all the time. We just got a question, I think this, yeah, Tren, Tren in heartburn. And Tren's heartburn is histamine, it's high histamine. The proton pump of your stomach is getting overstimulated by the histamine. So that's where you might see an improvement to your digestion if you avoid high histamine foods. So we're all classically eating cold food. So we cook our food, put it in the fridge. Well, as food is in the fridge, the histamine content of rice actually increases. So you're actually contributing more to the problem. So definitely understanding that when you have that sort of indigestion issue with prep and with these compounds, there is a root cause that we can go after and it's, it's either you can use an antihistamine you can look at your copper intake because that controls how the enzyme that breaks down histamine which is known as DAO or you can actually get DAO as a, a supplement no kidding. no kidding 
that was the whole concept behind the digestive stack that we do, that you're addressing the high histamine to give you that appetite. No kidding, man. That's cool. Uh, taking an antihistamine, are you saying just like any, like Benadryl? So those sort of second generation antihistamines that you take one a day, like loratadine, like Claritin, Zyrtec, they have some efficacy towards the, the um, what we'd call it, the H2 receptor of the stomach. But really, the most efficacious drug was ranatidine, which was Zantac. But obviously, that's been discontinued because of potential carcinogenesis. Not in the U.S. Yeah, so someone said, the U.S., you can still get it. But the, unfortunately, in the EU, it's been, it's been overruled by the EU medical agency. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand the health issues related to it. Because like in the U.S., at least, like I'm telling you that... I know my mom takes it. I know tons of people that still use Zantac. They have no idea that there's any potential issues with it, and the doctors keep writing it. So, I mean, kind of off topic, but yeah. Yeah, 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 no, of course. And, and it is very efficacious, but again, when you use antihistamines, you know me, I'm all about root cause. You're literally just blocking this receptor. You still have high histamine in your body. So as soon as you stop that drug, the, the antihistamine, you get the symptoms back straight away. Okay, so what you're talking about through supplementation, it's not just blocking the receptor. Yeah, it's going after the actual histamine itself, what's either you know pissing off the mast cells, which is your androgens, or your food intake causing the high histamine. Nice. Man, that's a take-home thing right there, Dave. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to like, help people today. Give them something. Yeah, I've lined someone up for 11 o'clock. Yeah. Not telling you who. 11 o'clock? Are we going to be doing this at 11 o'clock still? Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. What else you got for Dean? I actually no. I wanted to actually ask you, Dean, but then I saw something I wanted to grab for later on. So sorry, I ran off. You were talking earlier about going from um, being a bodybuilder, so to speak, to bodybuilding being a hobby. A lot of people find that transition difficult. Did you find any obstacles in that, or was the the, the kids the catalyst that made it easier? No, it was, de- it was definitely the kids. I mean. If, if anything, I was obsessed with bodybuilding before we got married and had kids and, you know, life was bodybuilding. I want to know all these things. But then as you see, like, especially with our first uh, child, Callum, as he was growing over his first year, you sort of sit back and you really... I'd been out of bodybuilding from before we conceived him, like I came off and we, like, we conceived him naturally. And then I eventually decided, OK, I'm going to go back training and then halfway through Callum's first year I decided I'm going to go back bodybuilding with the goal of competing at some point but not knowing exactly when but as time went on and we had our second son you just realise that it is not worth missing out on life moments with them over being obsessed about meals training because you are going to get to that point hopefully later on and go well why did I do all that because the return I got out of it was just maybe just a plastic trophy and I often joke you can ask anyone who won like the Irish overall five years ago in bodybuilding and unless you really know your like bodybuilding history no one knows so being that obsessed unless you're sort of really you know elite genetics and you you have what it takes to go into that elite pro level and earn money as a career for most of us it is going to be a hobby And, and like you said it's it's difficult for people to admit that it should be a hobby and a more so a lifestyle. But even with the, the holiday, like I was saying to Scott, 
I made prep work around the holiday rather than the holiday work around prep. Like the, the boys were eating breakfast in the morning and I'd go and do 30 minutes cardio while they were sitting in the apartment with Morgan. And then I'd train at midday when you'd keep the kids out of the sun anyway so they'd be having a nap for that hour and a half. So we were compromising and trying to figure out, well, how can I still do what I need to do for prep, but I actually go, oh, I can't, we can't go anywhere today because I have to train and I have to eat this meal, I have to do that. Like there was days, I'm only training four days at the moment, and the three rest days, at least three of them over the two weeks, Morgan turned to me at five o'clock and said, you haven't eaten today. It's like, oh yeah, so I haven't. Because you're, you're, I, I let the holiday consume me as opposed to, oh, I have to eat every three hours. Did you ever find that during the early part of that transition you had a guilt issues about the fact that you weren't being what we're told we're supposed to be, this super dedicated hardcore body? Because the sport constantly goes about, let's be hardcore, let's be extreme. You've got, you know, you've got to, you've got to do your steps, you've got to do your meals, you've got to sacrifice everything for this. And a lot of people, when they're not doing that, suffer with guilt because they feel like they're failing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, but I think I was the reverse because. I, I felt guilty going training and missing time with the boys. I felt like I'm leaving Morgan for an hour and a half to go train. But then, you know, there's the compromise there that Morgan lets me train and then I let her have time to herself. So if anything, it was the reverse. It was sort of like, I'm being selfish here to go train. But it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely something that you learn with, with time. Like, if I'd have said to myself, like when I was 26, you know, eight or nine years ago, this is what you're going to be mentally thinking about bodybuilding, or I'd have laughed and be like, you know, bodybuilding's life, like, you know, everything is around bodybuilding as opposed to let's fit life around bodybuilding itself. Um, yeah, bodybuilding's a hobby rather than you are a bodybuilder in that sense. I mean, you see it within the sport that it's very, you know, everything's very extreme and people seem to get lost in this world where they think they have to adhere to that when all they're doing is training to maybe look good for their holiday or to look good when they go out in summer and, and they forget that you know that a balance can be struck you don't have to be super super strict you just have to be accountable i think would be a better way of looking at it yeah definitely and i mean even this year approaching I sort of started to learn these lessons a little bit in the last year I competed in 2017. And I had no plans to compete. Morgan was gonna do the, the Irish national shows. And then she turned around to me like 20 weeks out from the show and goes, oh, well, you can't eat junk because I'm on prep. And I was like, well, I may as well just start dieting. Like she had a photo shoot booked before the, the show. I said, right, I'll get in condition for the photo shoot three weeks before the show. Um, and you know we'll get nice pictures together and literally like four weeks before the first show morgan said why don't you compete like i've been such a because i hadn't put that mental pressure on myself that i have to be on stage this day i have to be ready here i took lessons away from that that a lot of people obsess when they put a, a goal or a date on that goal that you start to obsess on that date and it's like 10 weeks out, nine weeks out, eight weeks out. You're li literally just, some people, I remember when I was younger, count like leg days, six leg days to the show, five leg days to the show. And you, you, you sort of get drawn into that mentality of, again, it's still that all or nothing that after that year I realized 
I never stressed about cardio, never stressed about steps. It was all about just being in condition for the photo shoot and it, that accelerates to a point where, okay, yeah, I can get on stage in pretty good condition here. And even like now where I'm sitting at, like nine weeks out from a warm-up, I'm still eating like 3,000 calories on a training day, 2,800 on a rest day, 30 minutes cardio five days a week, training four days, and only like 11 to 12,000 steps a day, so it's it's not yeah, extreme. I'm sorry. And it's, and it's, you know, it's it's sustainable. I'm a lot less stressed, and with that, my body's completely cooperates. And again, that mental stress of obsession of have to be ready on this day, I think probably sets people back. Yeah, I I generally, if I can, I'll get a client to to not pick a show first, but let's start dieting. Let's shoot for, you know, we're gonna shoot for October, November. And then we'll pick a show as we get closer. When you get tired too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that way too. If 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 they're not ready, then there is less stress. I think that stress does make a big difference in how well somebody's able to get into shape. So our last guest is now coming at eleven. We finish at half past eleven, so we're gonna have to do viewer questions now. Okay, that sounds good. We had a few questions, and it's getting loud in here. It is, mate. It's getting like this is not like Arnold Classic loud, but. It's rivaling it. It's getting there. <laughs> well, thank you very much, team, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Take care, mate. All right, I'm going to see what we have here. And you go have a look what we got question-wise. Is there any questions from the audience? Raise your hands, anybody. We'd love to get started. Drew, you got anything? What do we do? What do we do? Have I got anything? Yeah, the cream cleared it up, though. Well, yeah, we know we know about that because I do your bloods. No. I mean, have you got any questions? <laughs> is it still drippy and green, or has it gone back to a normal colour now? Ready purple now. That's because you're fiddling with it too much. Leave it alone. Get some Lego or something. <laughs> Ooh, here's a good one. So, uh, Luke, who I had a chance to meet yesterday... He asked us, um, he says, great to meet you yesterday, Scott. You mentioned you feel that intensity is lacking with the guys coming up today. How do you teach intensity to clients? I think that's a good question. And that's kind of what I was trying to get at with Nathan to see. Uh, I mean, because obviously the guy is a freaking intense trainer. And I think one of the biggest problems we have in podcasts are we're just sitting here talking, you know? And the reality of actually getting in the gym and training with somebody who really has like that next level intensity, it's a whole other thing. And I feel like we spend hours on podcasts talking about like what intensity is and how to get more out of your workouts. But the reality is to really truly get it, it's something you have to experience. And having had the opportunity to train over the years, with various different people that have high intensity, you know, you pick little pieces up along the way. So I think, you know, I mean, it doesn't directly answer the question, how do I, careful, because this thing wants to come down each time you move back. <laughs> Oops. Um, I, I think that yeah, uh, it doesn't act, uh, directly answer his question of how to teach intensity to clients. Uh, and I, I guess I could get into that. But what I would suggest is, is find people that are more experienced than you uh, 
try to get in with, to the gym with them. I feel like, I feel like people um, get intimidated. You know, I, even coming to an expo, like we're all here because we we relate to bodybuilding. We love this thing, but like to come to this place in itself, like it kind of it's a little intimidating. You know what I mean? And you you, you come in feeling like. Oh man, there's gonna be people that are much bigger than me and much better in shape than me, you know. And and the reality is, is that we <laughs> we all we all go through that, you know. And it's hard. But like Luke, for instance, uh, he had a chance uh, to train with a, a really good bodybuilder who lives 10 minutes away, uh, Dan. And Dan was like, "Hey man, just come on over anytime and get a workout in. You live 10 minutes from me." And and I could see the look on his face is like he would love to do it, but to actually take somebody up on that it's it's a lot it, you know what i mean it takes some balls the, the, i'm gonna i'll go back to the intensity in a minute but the the, the size imitation and in, in, intimidation thing even at 400 pound i'd go to expos and feel small it never goes no matter how big you can get you still think there's someone else bigger than you yeah but with intensity i think a lot of people confuse effort with intensity and though effort has a role when it comes to stimulating growth intensity is very much about the focus on the muscle not the workload you're doing so you can go and do a set of 20 30 reps with a weight be absolutely blowing out your ass have nothing left sweat and buckets but actually not have stimulated a great deal of recruitment within the actual muscle you're trying to hit. Why? And it's because you're moving load, you're not focused on working a muscle. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, as a result, you miss out on an opportunity to stimulate muscle growth. And the intensity comes in when you use that same effort. But keep it focused. But you focus it on the goal, and the goal is stimulating muscle mass. If the goal was to do 30 reps as fast as you could, then fine. But this isn't CrossFit. Yeah, there's different types of intensity from a bodybuilding point of view. Intensity comes when you're focusing your effort on stimulating the muscle. In powerlifting, intensity is in the form of how much weight you move. In CrossFit, it's how fast and how many reps you do. But they're different depending on your, you know, your application. But definitely with bodybuilding, I think two people lose sight of the actual goal, and the goal is stimulating muscle. Reps and sets are just a way of measuring that. They aren't the end product. Yeah. But we all go and go, I'm going to do six sets, I'm going to get eight, nine, ten reps. That's why I'm dead against logbooks. Because logbooks force you to, if you try and beat your logbook, you're trying to beat a number. Where when I go in the gym, I try and beat a feeling. I'm trying to create more pain. I'm trying to create more feel. I'm trying to get more contact with that muscle. To the I'll, point I'll where argue every that, inch is screaming. I, I agree with that, but I'm not against log books because I think it's a, like just like the scale. You know, the scale doesn't tell us everything, but it does give us some rough data. You know, and, and if the, the key is, is are you being honest? You I know, think, are, you, are you cheating your form to get that extra rep? Or to add that extra five pounds. I think the, the problem with a logbook is it's not the logbook itself, it's how you apply it. Yeah. If you use a logbook as a diary, no problem. If you lose a logbook as a target generator, that's the problem. Yeah. 
if you log your workouts but then don't look at them again till three, four months down the line, then they're not going to influence your next workout. Yeah. My workout was always uh, driven by how much pain can I generate in that muscle. Not how many more reps can I do, not how many more sets can I do, but how much more can I fuck that thing up. Yeah. And once it's fucked, it's fucked. You can't do it anymore. All right, I'm going to see what else we got here. And anybody in the audience have anything? Yes. All right. We got a couple. Cool. <laughs> so I'm the wrong side of 40 now. Uh, I've had five heart attacks. I've got injuries. Fuck, I'm fucking riddled. Dave, you're fucking kidding me. Five heart attacks? Yeah, five, yeah. Yeah. Only three were in the gym, so, you know. <laughs> okay. Lightweight. Get on another one, you know. Uh, riddled with injuries. What would be the best way for me to train, still keep the intensity, but not cause number six and not fuck myself up anymore to be honest true I, I would really say consider euthanasia <laughs> that's Dave's British humor thank you Dave I do know Drew um, I think you've got to look around techniques so things like slowing the muscle down maybe doing drop sets or super sets, where you're not using bigger loads um, and I was having this chat with Matt Tofton, which we were going to try and get on the stand on the, the sofa, but we've sort of run out of time, really. But I was chatting to him yesterday about I've trained Matt a couple of times, and he's trained with a couple of other good trainers a couple of times. We were talking about the different approaches, and he said one of the things that he got through me was that when he came out of the workout, he wasn't just physically tired, he was mentally tired because I was making him think all the time about what he was doing. And, and I think when you start to get injuries, you, you really do have to think your way around them. Yeah. Um, and you, you've got to start looking at, you know, there are millions of different training styles. And the more you experience, the more tools you add to your toolbox to use at different times. Just playing with rep tempos playing with rep ranges, as in the physical range of motion, not as in numbers. You know, and then you've got supersets, drop sets, giant sets, all sorts of different things. The thing is, when people approach supersets and giant sets, they tend to have this approach of get through it as fast as I can. Why? Yeah. Why can't you do a giant set with TUT? Or a 2-1 tempo, or a 2-3 tempo? And you know, I, I think what you're saying here too is that we find what we want we find one of the things one of the ways that works for us in bodybuilding and then we want to latch on to that and I, I think the question that i and i had to learn this myself in my case it was with nutrition but it's been in bodybuilding too with, with in, in weightlifting back injuries we've all been hurt but then we stop and we're like i can't do this anymore but the real question is is what can i do you know, what can I do? Because then if you keep it, it keeps you positive and there's so much you could do. Even if it's like, you know, like, like a BS workout. And that's where I'm at, having gotten sick a year ago, I'm still trying to figure out like, what can I do? But it's not, if you love it, and that's the thing. Some people, if they don't figure it out and it's that they don't love it enough, and that's okay, you know? But if you truly love it, then you figure it out, you know? Yeah, I think that, I think that you've just said something then that's wrong really, really true you will not change 
if the desire to change is not stronger than the pain of change. Yeah. Uh, and we, we say that in NA, in Narcotics Anonymous, is that we don't change until the pain of remaining the same is greater than, than yeah. the pain of changing. And it's like so many people, I mean, like, I, there's no denying I am a fat person uh, and I need to lose weight. But with everything else I have going on, the effort, and it might not even be correct, the effort I perceive it takes to get leaner, for me is not worth the reward I perceive I'll get from being leaner. So I don't change. Um, and, and so many people sit in these cycles and being fit and healthy post what you've gone through is obviously an important factor. Doesn't mean it has to be bodybuilding. No, I wasn't going to suggest CrossFit. Even Not though CrossFit. There's no. several hundred of them just over there, so I've got to be careful what we say. We might get mobbed. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you'd look really good at pole dancing or... <laughs> limbo. I don't know, you know, roller skating. <laughs> All right, we've got some more over here. Andy, Andy, you had one? So, as a massage therapist and an acupuncturist, as a, as a massage therapist and an acupuncturist, where do you, do you say how important is body recovery therapies? I think they have a very, very good place. I think the problem is for most people is that the cost is beyond them. I, I big believer in massages, big believer in regular deep tissue work on a weekly basis. But if bodybuilding is your hobby that you do in your spare time, it's already not cheap because of food, gym membership, possibly the right clothes if you're that way out, um, drugs if you're assisted, and then to say, right, okay, I now want 25, 30, 35 pound a week on top of that to, to basically make you cry, because that's what you sick bastards do. Um, you know, it is a big ask for people, and that's unfortunate because they are very, very beneficial. I was, at my biggest, I, I had body work every week without fail. I had to. I wouldn't function if I didn't. Um, but if it's done right, it fucking hurts. <laughs> a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think deep tissue work, and a lot of injuries come because somebody's tight, or there's an imbalance in the tightness within the muscle, like the hamstring's tight or the glutes tight. Next thing they know, they've got lower back problems. Or the right hip's tight. Next thing they know, they've got a left shoulder problem. Yeah, this, this fascinated me, because when my, my physio, who I love to bits and hate at the same time, you'd, we, we started with a joke, because it's like, all oh, right, me, me left shoulder hurts. Yeah, it's your right half cheeks are fucked. It's like, how, how the fuck do you get that? But it was true. Your body seems to work in this cross system where a problem here affects something over here and vice versa. Absolutely. It's weird, though. We got a bunch more. All right, go on then. We do. Um, so off of the live stream, uh, Anthony Andrews asks us, why do orals give me muscle spasms and cramps? That's not a common one to me. I haven't really heard that. But I mean, obviously, I would think that it had to do with hydration. 
yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if it's the orals themselves or... Is he Anne Clen? Well, that's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, generally, muscle cramps, spasms, things like that is down to hydration or electrolyte issues. Yeah, yeah. So, what's your fluid intake like when, you, when you're on orals? You know, is it nice and high? Are you using electrolytes? And that's the other thing. A lot of people, when the summer comes, they drink plenty of water but they forget to put the salts and electrolytes that they need in that water in order to maintain correct hydration. Mr. Badger, sir. Badger running. He was a um, strong man. Oh, no kidding. Right on. And he's now a boxer. Nice. All right, I think we had some other ones in here. Anybody else have a live question here in the audience? Oh, nice. This has been a very common question lately. What is your opinion on discipline versus motivation? I miss that. What do you mean? Basically, people go around motivated, but they have no discipline. In your opinion, what what do you need more of? Motivation or discipline? Motivation versus discipline. If you're disciplined, you don't need motivation. Huh. Yeah. Because if you're disciplined, you do that shit anyway. Yeah, yeah. It might not quite have. I think the difference in that is, depending on the type of person you are, discipline can be miserable as fuck. Whereas with motivation, you want to do it. And you will always do better at something you want to do than something you feel you have to do. So if you're disciplined, you do what you have to do. But you do it. If you're motivated, you do it and then some. Because you truly enjoy what you're doing, which is why you're motivated about doing it. So, discipline gets the job done. But I would say if you are motivated to do something, not only will you get the job done, you'll enjoy it in the process and you'll probably get further on. Uh, it's a bit like doing a job that you love or doing a job just because it pays a decent wage. Yeah, I, I can say though, I think that motivation comes and goes and that you can't rely on it. You know, motivation is great when you get it, when you have it, but if it's not there, it's just a matter of continue. I think that, I think one of the words that I would put into the mix here is faith. That you have faith in what you're doing, so in those low times, when you don't feel good, or you don't, you don't like the way you look, or when you're trying to, we're talking about injuries, you know, that like maybe things aren't clicking, maybe you've been training for 18 months and it's still not exactly where you want it to be, but if you have faith in the process and you continue, it will all come back around. And that bodybuilding, there's gonna be, if you, if you love bodybuilding and you keep it in your life, there's gonna be high phases of it and there's gonna be low phases of it. There's gonna be phases of it where it's right in your face and it's what you think about every, every day from the minute you wake up to the time you go to bed. And there's gonna be times when you have a new job and you haven't been able to train for five days and you feel like crap because of that and now you're feeling guilt and all that. But you work through that and eventually it sorts itself back out. That's what I would say. I mean, I, from personal experience, I was motivated to get big. I have the discipline to diet 
but I'm not motivated to diet. So I never competed. But when I got big, I ate a comp level clean diet. All I ate was rice, chicken and beef and broccoli. Didn't eat shit. Because I was doing something I loved and achieving something I dreamed of. When I went to diet for a comp, I was doing it because everybody else wanted me to. So I was, I had the discipline, but I didn't have the motivation. And for me, the discipline wasn't enough. All right, I got another one here. I got one from Dan on the live feed. He says, hi, Scott, great to meet you at the expo. By the way, I hope you guys are all having an awesome time. And I want to also say thank you to everybody here. First of all, once again, thanks for coming, but also thanks for your hospitality because I feel like it's been a very cool experience to get to visit the UK. And, uh, and I appreciate all you guys very much. I can't talk about except this shit for, when you've got that fucking shit. Except on. for Dave. Fuck off with except that for Dave. I would Rob. much rather be here on my own. But it is what it is. Uh, anyway, Dan has a question. He says, Hi, Scott. Great to meet you at the expo. If my coach says for me to use 100 milligrams of DECA twice a week, but I have NPP on hand, what would you apply dosage and shot timing per week at 100 times three why don't i would say honestly and it's not like to not like to diss the question but i would say ask the coach yeah well sorry yeah if if uh, if you were looking for an alternative of mpp to to 200 mega decker a week because of the cumulative effect of the decker i think 300 mpp will get to the similar peak values, but really he should be going for talk, discussing it with his coach. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like even if you don't feel like you know, like it's going to make a difference, the coach will want to know because you know it's it, it's it it could affect you differently. It is frustrating as a coach when clients go off piece, particularly when if all they did was talk to you, you'd happily take them that way anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. It's like if your coach gives you something that you're not happy with, you don't like, or you just want to do differently, discuss it with them. If they can give you decent reason as to why he wants to go the way he's going, then he's a coach. You really, you know, you're paying that person for a reason because you're paying for their knowledge. If you don't think their knowledge is worth listening to, then why the fuck are you paying them? It seems a bit of an oxymoron, really, that one. So, um,. But otherwise, discuss it with your coach. And if they're not willing to compromise in line with what you're willing to do, it's not that they're a particularly bad coach, it just might be that they're not the coach for you. And you need to find someone that has a different approach to things. I had a question of my own. Go on then. Has it passed vetting? It's about a member of the show. Who's not with us today? Has Scott not come? I'm here. Dave's yeah, we here. We can see you here. I traveled literally, literally across the world to meet Christmas Cabbage. Well, it's Dave, all right because Monday night you'll be sleeping with him. Dave, you had one job. Yes, I fucked up. You had one job, Dave. And two, I asked you to eat a Twinkie. You didn't even eat the Twinkie. Because they're fucking awful. I brought those Twinkies literally all the way from Walmart. You could have fucking left him there. In America, it was Victoria's idea. Did I not give you nice food last night? You did. 
And you give me that shit this morning. That's Amer- an American delicacy. Did Katrina not give you a lovely cake yesterday? And it, she did, and it was amazing. And you reward her with that shit. I brought her an American delicacy. And that's that why Christmas cabbage didn't come. Twinkies by Hostess. Guys, if you want a delicious cake, you can enjoy Twinkies. Use our code THINK for additional savings when you buy Twinkies. Made in America. I'll piss myself if Hostess see this and send you a shitload of Twinkies. <laughs> what if I came on wearing like a Hostess shirt for the next episode? I mean, you could, you so, technically could use them for carbs. I don't know if I would suggest that, but yes, I, I, I forgot Christmas cabbage. Um, Thursday was rather rushed. Yes, uh, and I didn't load the van. Oh, it's okay. So it's I my wife's fault, really. I've actually had a really nice time meeting you, Dave. Like, I met Dave for the very first time three, four days ago. Now, uh, we were standing right about here. Two days ago. Was it? I, that's, I, it was Friday. I'm, I, I'm a little jet lagged still. I don't know what day it is. I mean, technically I do. It's Sunday. But um, anyway, yeah, we do have more questions. And, and it was very, it's been very pleasant to meet you in person. Like, I've known you for... I'm glad you enjoyed the experience. I've known Dave since 2016. He was one of my first guests on the Advices Radio Network. I had messaged him right after Under Construction 2 and I said, hey, uh, hi, nice to meet you, sir. I would be very I like co- very cordial, you know, and I'm like, it would be my pleasure to do an interview with you if you would find the time, something like that. And Dave was like, I, I figured we'd set it up and like I'd be ready in two weeks and I'd have all these questions lined up. And he was like, okay, how about uh, two o'clock today? And I was like, what? He's like, I'm free in an hour. And I was actually, I was actually nervous because I was like, I don't have any questions ready. So I, I started doing a bunch of research real quick. But it worked out good. And now look at us today. Yeah, an old married couple. <laughs> All right, we we did have some more questions. Oh, and I want to give a shout out to both uh, Ian, who's watching live, and Seth, who are uh, Ian and uh, excuse me, Matt. Matt Blevins is with us. Is he actually up? Yeah, me. Yeah, Ian. Matt, and, where's your homework? You haven't done it. Matt is up. He's doing your uh, your course. Yeah, isn't he, has, he? he hasn't handed his homework in. No, okay. Well, nonetheless, I want to give a shout out to everybody who's watching live. Um, and like I said, we did have some more questions here, uh, and I kind of I lost them because I started scrolling around. Oh, here we go. He says, "I." Uh, this is Zimmy. He says, "Greetings, guys. I cannot get injectable test as it's highly illegal." in my country by the way shout out to countries where you can legally walk around with gear I feel like I'm in the land of the free now uh, however it is easy to access Deanibal is it okay to you that as my base I use D-ball instead of test he's in a weird position well I would assume if it's difficult to get injectable tests it's difficult to get any injectable okay so, if he's using D-Bell as his base, I want to. What's he putting with it? I mean, there's not. I've got no issue with using D-Bell only on the cycle. I don't got a problem with that. I'm just curious as to what drug availability he has to put with it, because he says he's using it as his base. My issue with a D-Bell only cycle isn't the D-Bell cycle itself. It is with that, that you're going to want to keep cycling, and then what are you going to do from there? Are you going to continue running D-ball? Because you're going to then you're going to want to start stacking stuff. You're going to want to start increasing the doses. And 
that first cycle is not the problem. It's the two years down the road when all you've done are higher and higher dose oral cycles to try to reach your goals. That's where the problem is on not only liver, but also your cholesterol. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of factors for long-term oral use, definitely. I think, really, the solution to the problem is to move. Move. Actually, yeah. somebody commented and said, for the right price, you can, right amount of money, you can find anything. So, that is true, to be fair. For the right price in the right place, you can get just about anything. There's got to be something. Yeah. Anybody in the audience have anything for us? Anything, guys? Oh, Trina's got one. Best appetite suppressants. Paralyzed vocal cord. Tell me. Best appetite suppressants. Best appetite suppressants from Trina. For Dave. Saxenda. Saxenda. Yeah. Genuinely, from what I've seen of it and people that use it, it, it really does kill it. Um, what is that? It's um, semaglutide. Oh, yeah. But that also it. slows uh, digestion down. That's been my main issue, that everybody's getting into the GLP drugs, and I think they can be beneficial. But like we've been talking about on the program, that every drug is also going to have side effects, and I've seen it that, you know... It may suppress your appetite, but you also do have to remember that digestion gets slowed with that. So it could change digestion, possibly cause constipation, possibly possibly reduce your hunger for the wrong reasons. So there'd be a balance. It'd be it'd be something that is possible to overdo. There is a there is only there is a worrying side with it, which is um, thyroid thyroid nodules. So one of its recognized sides is, is, yeah, is growth of thyroid nodules. So it may not be, particularly for you in person. Um, other appetite suppressant, caffeine actually can be quite effective. Um, and a lot really is just, I think a lot of it is more the mental approach to food. Dorian said something years and years and years ago. Uh, and it's always rung very true with me is um, he, someone was asking him how he managed to diet for the Olympias you know how did he deal with cheats and temptations and being strict and everything else and he quite simply said for what I want to achieve I can't have that so I don't even think about it being viable and if you think about that we get up in the morning we go to work we don't question going to work, we just get up and do it. Because we know we have to. If you can create that mental approach to your food, you would never feel hungry or have a problem with a diet again because you would just do it. And that's the key. That's gonna be, yeah, because at the end of the day, I think, I think what it comes down to is, is that when we're dieting, we are literally creating a void. You know, we're literally taking something away from our bodies that we would normally give it. And so, yeah, we're gonna have that response, but it's to put it into perspective. You know, and the problem is, is I think in our society, we connect food and eating with pleasure versus thinking of it as that tool, you know, and that, that we're trained when we're hungry, what do we do? We eat, you know, what do we do uh, when we go out on dates? We eat, what do we do when we celebrate a birthday? We eat, 
You know, it's like we get together with our family on the holidays. What do we do? We have dinner, you know. So it's like we have such an emotional connection with food. To reprogram that can be difficult because I think one of the problems we have nowadays is there are so many cool, like, low-calorie options. Like the expo here today at FedEx, filled with all sorts of, like, things that don't really have calories. But at the end of the day, they're not going to give us that the true satisfaction and and if we are hungry and then we go out and we eat a burger guess what it's awesome for like one hour and then after that we're right back to where we were you know so the reality is is like we can't really fill that void so finding acceptance for it helps uh drug wise i like eca i think of just even a small dose of ephedrine i found ephedrine small dose of, of eca can help to take that edge off, you know, not even for the fat loss perspective, but like even 12.5 milligrams can just take the edge off. And, and, and if you have retrained yourself, I think that perspective, it, you know, I think it can help. Yeah. Um, obviously they just got to be a little bit careful about when you take something like ephedrine from a point of view of sleep and things like that as well. Yeah. You can't use it but at it night. Obviously it's a stimulant. So, so we have another guest. Do, but I don't you got to talk into the mic. Right, I don't go. want to talk into the mic. Where's our guest? So, all being well, Mr. Terry Hollands is going to be joining us. Oh, yeah? And he stood there, and he said he'd come at 11, but... And he looks like he's on his way. Yeah? yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Brilliant. He didn't want to come. He looks tired this morning. <laughs> I think everybody looks tired this morning. Move your ass. Why do I have to be the one? You're the skinny one. Move your ass. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. Hey, thanks for joining us, brother. How's it going? You don't look so well, mate. You all right? You gotta give him the mic. Get your ass in that tent afterwards. I'll sort you out. So, just that. Sorry, I'm introduce you. This is Terry Holland from World's Strongest Man. Now, obviously, he's changed sport and he's bodybuilding. Amazing transformation, Terry. Absolutely fucking incredible. So, massive respect for that, let alone the fact of the level of athlete you've been in the past anyway. So, can you tell us how you're finding the change and how you find the two sports different and pluses and minuses on either side? So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of people think that sort of bodybuilding and strongman, the training is very similar. And obviously, unless you've done both sports or done one of them and are aware of the other one, it's completely different. Everything. Everything, the way I lift weights, the way I do, the movements I do has completely changed. So, although I'm still lifting weights like I, like as I was, it's not, um, everything else is different. So, in terms of the, the movements I'm doing, the way I'm doing the movements as well. So, with, with Strongman, obviously, you're trying to move as much weight as easily as possible. Whereas, obviously, with the bodybuilding, I'm trying to a lot of the time almost make it hard for myself by doing lighter weights and higher volume but I mean the biggest difference obviously is you know I think it's probably a given is, is the diet with, with strong man it's sort of just you spend your whole life just force feeding yourself with food and stuff and um, you know I used to sit sort of well I don't, I don't even know exactly how many calories I was eating when I was doing strong man but I know when I first went and did my first bodybuilding show, I was dropping weight on seven and a half thousand calories a day. So, oh God! Yeah. So um, I was I was eating a lot more than that. So it was a it was a big change. And um, 
yeah, I mean, even still now, so I'm coming down, I'm like 12 weeks out from my next show, and I, um, I'm sitting around 6,000 calories at the moment and dropping weight quite well. And I think the, the lowest I got on my last prep was 3,300. But still, you know, for me, that, that felt from my strongman days and having like 10, 12,000 a day to then get as low as 3,000, it just literally feels like nothing. So, yeah, I mean, probably, yeah, that's the biggest the biggest difference. But for me, like, with the bodybuilding now, it's because I did, I did strongman for so long and it was my job as well. Um, it sort of lost, I lost that motivation for it. I felt like I was going to work when I was going to the gym. Now, because it's a new challenge, it's something completely different. I, I actually enjoy being in the gym. I'm excited about it again. So, yeah, it's been a real positive change. Let me ask you something. Um, having had experience with guys that are powerlifters that have gone to bodybuilding and that they were, you know, they weren't as careful with their diet. They're getting the calories in, they're getting the protein in, but they weren't as particular as, you know, when we're trying to get into shape. Have you noticed any positive changes to your strength when you started to shift your calories to like, okay, now I'm eating cleaner. Obviously during dieting, you're not gonna be your strongest, but say during off season, have there have you found benefits that you didn't expect through eating clean? Yeah, so the last couple of years, maybe um, the last three or four years I was doing strongman, I'd come down a lot in weight anyway. Okay. So at my biggest, I was like 203 kilos. I spent the last three or four years competing about 155, 160. Yeah. And um, big change there was I changed my diet and I started being more aware of what I was putting in my body and although I had like a, a 45 kilo weight drop I still held my strength really well so nice. I'm still, still able to compete a world's strongest man be competitive I got a third place at Europe's strongest man in that time as well so nice. although I had a massive drop in weight um, because I was more conscious of what I, what I was putting in my body I actually held my strength pretty well so Aside from that, I mean, I haven't actually, since I started the bodybuilding, I haven't had an off-season yet, so... Okay, yeah, I've yeah. I've got um, two, maybe three more shows this year. Uh, my final one will be the FitX Finals. I think that's end of October, and then I'll shut it down until August next year. Um, nice. And that'll be my first proper off-season, so... Hopefully I can make some improvements in that time, build some muscle where I need to build it, and uh, go from there. I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Um, have you you've started up a coaching business now as well haven't you so um, two questions one tell us about that start but why didn't you go into coaching strongman okay so I mean most most of my clients I do have some strongmen um, but most of my clients are lifestyle clients um, for me it's um, I, I find it so much more rewarding to be totally honest um, most of the strongmen obviously already have quite an idea of what they're doing and I do have some clients, but I, I enjoy sort of seeing people, you know, like normal people that are making a positive change on their life. And, um, you know, because I know how much of a positive impact I had on my life when I came down in weight. Everything became a lot easier, a lot more enjoyable, just day-to-day -day tasks. When I was at my biggest, it was, you know, it was hard to do anything really, you know, like even if just walking around the super, supermarket was a real effort. So. If I can give other people that same sort of um, improvement in their life, then you know that's that's a that's a positive thing. And for me, that's 
I get more satisfaction out of that than the guys competing in strongman. I mean, like I said, I've got a few strongman clients, but I get more enjoyment and more satisfaction out of coaching normal people that are trying to just be a bit, a bit more conscious of their diet, their training, and stuff like that. I've got one. So you're talking about eating a lot of food. What would be, because obviously for me competing, I'd competed on stage as a light heavy, 200 pounds tops, and I was more like 195. It doesn't take as many calories to sustain this as it does this. What grocery bill, what are we talking? What, what does it cost to create this? I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I remember there was a point at the moment. He doesn't want to know what it no, costs. No, I don't want to know. <laughs> there was a point when I was doing um, Strongman that I was spending a thousand pounds a month on, on my groceries, <laughs> and that didn't include like my meals out and things like that. So yeah, yeah. Probably in excess of fifteen hundred pounds a month. Oh on my god, fifteen hundred a month, Dave. Um, I mean, I, was, I had to stop Strongman, really, because, one, I didn't feel like I was progressing anymore. I was perhaps starting to go backwards a little bit, you know, just getting older and stuff like that. But also, I had a really severe bicep tear, um, a world's strongest man last year. And um, because I tore the tendon off the muscle rather than the tendon off the bone, they couldn't reattach it. So um, I'm left with a, a big hole in my arm. Um, that, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's basically going to be like that forever now. And... Um, you know, I just I just work around it as best I can with training. I'm a, I'm a lot weaker in the left arm than the right, but you know, it, it is what it is. It's, yeah. The weird thing about those ones, isn't you, when they call them up, the bruising is insane, isn't it? Yeah, You're yeah. just black from feet around where it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't the best. I mean, I, I actually um, I don't know if anyone watched Wellstrop this man last year when I did it, but I actually did it before I competed. Um, so I, I torn it and tested the events and then um, they were really putting a lot of pressure on me to pull out of the competition because once you start they can't put the reserves in but um, I knew last year was going to be my last year at World Strongest Man anyway and obviously I felt like I'd one given up my life for 12 weeks to get ready for World Strongest Man but also you know I, I've given a lot of years to the sport so as far as I was concerned it was they owed me at least that opportunity to try and you know, get in there and, and sh have my last showing and sort of almost go out on my shield like when it was my time to, to yeah. pull out. Do you do you find now more personally rewarding from your training than you did when you were professional? Is it less pressure? Makes it more enjoyable? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I mean, although some some people you know do still, I think. The, the, the difficulty I've found with the bodybuilding is some people obviously have followed me through the strongman and because my bar was here with strongman everyone expects my bar to be here with bodybuilding as well and it's, it's not you know I'm just trying to be the best I can be in the time frames I have to be you know to make improvements and everything else but for, for me that I don't put any pressure on myself because the bodybuilding is for my own satisfaction my own enjoyment I'm not trying to win a pro card or be you know the next big thing or anything like that at all it's just a personal goal to you know try and put something on stage that i'm proud of and, and that's all it is really so the, the places almost don't matter it's like as long as i'm happy with our look or each show i get slightly better I'm, I'm all good and just just out of curiosity your heaviest weight to your lowest weight 
in this transition? What's it been? Um, so... 203, did you say? 203 kilos. Uh, about five days out from my show before I started carving up, I went down as low as 129 kilos. And then by the time, yeah, when I, when I went back on, by the time I got on stage, I was 135, so. So you're talking like 75 plus kilos yeah. of, of loss? Yeah. Fucking hell, yeah. mate, that is impressive. Hundred sixty-five pounds dropped. That's a person. Yeah, yeah. He, That's a, a decent-sized person yeah. as well. I mean, it's it's weird, like because he, he just, you know, I, I feel so much bad for it. And um, although, like a lot of people say, oh, you know, bodybuilding's really tough on you, on your body. So it's like, professional strong. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you know, it's not like that's new to me. It's just tough in a different way. So. I, I say to a lot of people, like especially with the, from the strongman community, they're like, "Oh, I couldn't do what you could do, or what you've done." And, I, and it's like the high level guys, I'm like, "You could if you wanted to," because it's just the same mindset. It's like a, they're not sports either, and this is probably the biggest similarity. It's not like playing Sunday league football where you can just play around with it, turn up on a Sunday and play. With bodybuilding and strongman, you're in it like every day, you know, constantly thinking about it, constantly. Do, doing stuff to try and make improvements um, so you, you've got to be all in and, and that's yeah probably the biggest similarity so all I did pretty much was just take the same mindset I did from the strong man where I, I literally commit to it 100% and then um, yeah and, and, and just go from there Did you have any difficulty sort of mentally with yourself coming from being a high level professional to competing as an amateur in a different sport I mean, I know you understand where you are in the sport, but was that a culture shock or did it just feel right? No, I mean, it feels right because um, for me, it's just, yeah, it's a new beginning. So, you know, I've got a few years of doing, um, doing the bodybuilding. I don't know how long I'll do it for, but for me, like I said, it's, it's all about enjoyment now. So, and although things like prep are not really enjoyable, <laughs> the... the the said bit, everybody yeah, the, the, the <laughs> bit at the end is enjoyable so it's worth that hardship and that tough times when you're going through prep to get that end result of standing on stage and being proud of what you've what you've done and um, yeah to me that makes it all worthwhile and um, yeah it, it, for, it's not I don't feel like I've sort of stepped backwards or you know anything like that I don't think you've stepped backwards but I can see being a professional athlete going to an amber being sometimes a little bit of a mental flip yeah I mean I, I still conduct myself like I'm a professional even though I'm not and um, so like I will do everything I can you know within my power to be as good as I can be as a bodybuilder well it shows in how you've transformed your physique no thanks mate I mean, I mean that genuinely helped and um, impressive no thank you I mean it's you know I'm not where I want to be yet but I'm, are we ever I'm, I'm getting closer exactly I mean that's the thing I don't think I'll ever be exactly where I want to be but you know, hopefully next show I'll be a little bit better than last time and sort of keep making improvements through those shows, those those two or three more I'm doing. And then when I have the actual proper off-season, hopefully I can make some good progress and next be next year be even better than I was. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Corny question, I know, but got to ask that one. I don't know. I mean, hopefully still um, still involved in the fitness industry in some way. I mean, hopefully still coach coaching, obviously. And, um, you know, it's... I, I, I'm very passionate about all things with the gym and that lifestyle. So, so it's, it's more training than the actual sports itself? 
Yeah, I mean it's yeah, I, I you know whether it's after the bodybuilding, I might do some powerlifting or you know maybe even try try a little bit of cross. I think you do some fun. fucking damage in the masters in powerlifting, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, still, you know, like you know, you know, shy when you can deadlift. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm still strong enough to compete at the moment in powerlifting, but it's all focus on the bodybuilding at the moment, and um, yeah, obviously that's not a priority at the minute. How strong I am. Really, really appreciate you joining us today. I know you're not feeling up to it at all. It's all good. It's all good. Come and see me. It's on me, mate. We'll straighten you up. Perfect. Thank you very much. No Cheers. problem. Thanks a lot, Terry. Appreciate it. Appreciate it's it. It's been an absolute Thank pleasure, you. mate. Thank you. <laughs> a long way down. <laughs> so we actually did this thing, Dave. Like, it actually worked. <coughs> it actually came together. Are we done? I think we are. Oh, fuck. I'm dying for a piss. Yeah. I think we're, think we're about done. We got we to gotta wrap it up, though. Oh, come on, I'm going to pee myself. we got to thank these people. All these people came out here to hang Thanks. out with us. Thanks, right. I'm off for a piss. See you later. They all came out here to hang out with us. They've been standing this whole time. Right, what the viewers of this video can't see is there's three people in front of us. There's two, actually. Well, yeah, because one's somebody we know anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been hey, awesome. that's not far off an exaggeration of three, actually, really. Awesome. We didn't do like an official, like, we are at Fit Expo. Real quick, will you tell the people what FitX is? So it's F-I-T-X. But what is it? Because we have people watching right. so who this might not know. FitX and FitExpo are, are linked, but they're two different things. FitExpo is an event held in Liverpool. It's, a, it's an expo, so there's a Friday night, VIP night with where you get to meet some of the stars. And then on the two days it runs Saturday and Sunday, we've got... MMA. In fact, we had Paddy the Baddy here yesterday. His dog's gorgeous. Uh, we've got CrossFit. We had the British BPU Palestine Championships yesterday. We've got. I don't know. We've got a pro, uh, strongman show today. Yep, um, there was a bodybuilding show last night was that England's was particularly man? late. Was it England's, England's strongest man? It might be. Yeah, I think it is England's strongest man today. And um, there's a female bodybuilding show today, I, 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 MFN, something like that. It's I don't know, something like that will do. Uh, there was a deadlift and log challenge yesterday morning. And there's, there's quite a few big names here. I mean, obviously, Terry's here, ex World Strongest Man. Zach Khan was here yesterday looking he was really in, cool. enormous for, for a man in his masters. He was a lot uh, friendlier than I thought he would he, be. He's a he's genuinely really, cool. really nice bloke. What you see online is not the real Zach. Yeah. Um, some real cream of the crop amateurs Matt Tofton, Nathan Stiles um, a couple of others have been wandering around and then there's uh, Rob Franton wandered past when we were talking Mark Felix was here yesterday and obviously the stars of the expo the Saltman brothers yeah yeah um, I saw the funniest thing yesterday what's that? Tom Saltman on one of them little scooters that you can rent the little electric ones you can rent around Liverpool oh my god <laughs> That man is too big to be on one of them scooters. <laughs> it's beyond the weight capacity. Um, but you know, and obviously there's, there's several stands and, and events going on throughout throughout the expo. Yeah. Now FitEx is a bodybuilding federation. That's what I was trying to get at. So FitEx have a show at the expo. And, and literally how it came about was they wanted to do a bodybuilding show at the Fit Expo. Uh, and none of the feds were really interested. So they went off oh, at bollocks with it. They would have set up a zone. So they set up their own. So I think Fitex is 11, 13 shows, something like that this year. 
So we're about halfway through the season now, nice. with the finals being, you know, Terry qualified in Leeds, um, and, and then after the finals is here again. No, the finals is in Blackpool this year, I believe. Winter Gardens, uh, courtesy of Chemical Nutrition, because uh, Chemical Warfare, sorry, because Chemical Warfare is sponsoring the finals. Nice. Uh, and they're a Blackpool-based company, so they've got the Winter Gardens, which is an incredible venue. Well, I wanted to thank FedEx for having us out to do this and for bringing me out here to meet everybody here. And I want to thank everybody who's hanging out here today, watching us live. I also wanted to thank everybody on YouTube who's hanging out with us. And Dave, Dave's got to pee. I want to thank you for being my best friend ever. And for oh, me fuck. to stay at your house after this. Because guys, you haven't seen where you're sleeping yet, mate. You're in the I'm, shed. I'm moving to England and living with Dave. And I'm moving to Uzbekistan or somewhere. All right. Well, I guess that's all we got. Right. Thank you very much, folks. Thank you, guys. Thank I'm going you. for a pee.